0: All right, would you guys go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6? Because today we're going to continue in our Amaze series, which is following the hard sayings of Jesus and coming to terms with not only who Jesus is, but letting Him say who He is that He is. In other words, that we come to terms with who God is and His teachings and how it means to really follow Him. And today we're going to be talking about, if you open your uh, bulletins, about one love which is God or money, that Jesus makes it very clear that there is one love. That we cannot have one foot in, one foot out, one foot in the world, one foot with God, that our hearts are directed with one love. And it not only is a cool title because in 1994, there was a hip-hop album called Illmatic with Nas. It's called One Love, One Love, One Love. Q-tip, anybody? All right, anyways. Um, But it it really... um, It really communicates and it really expresses the solidarity and the unified heart that we are to follow Jesus with. And the reason why we're talking about money is because Jesus talks about money all the time. In fact, Randy Alcorn put together, it says that 15% of everything that Jesus Christ said relates to the topic of possessions or um, money. That he, more than his teachings on heaven and hell combined, he talks more about possessions or money. More than he talked about heaven, hell, or even sex, Jesus talked about money. For example, if you look at Luke or Mark 10:21, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor. Luke chapter 6, verse 20, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God Woe to you who are rich, for he have, you have received your consolation. Luke fourteen thirty three. Whoever does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Luke twelve fifteen. A person's life does not consist of possessions that he has, that you are your identity is not found in what you have, what you what other people say, but your identity is found in being the beloved son and daughter of God. Matthew 6 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Luke chapter 12, verse 33, sell your possessions, give alms to the poor, provide yourselves with purses in heaven. And lastly. There's more, but Luke 9:58. foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It's not because Jesus wanted money. He didn't own a home. He didn't have a place to rest his head. In fact, one of the churches in, in Jerusalem, there's a, a, a statue, it looked like a homeless person sleeping on a bench. And it, it quotes Luke chapter nine fifty eight that Jesus did not have a home; he didn't have a place to rest his head, but he depended on the generosity of his followers and trusting in himself to God completely. So, with that, we're going to turn to our text this morning, which is Matthew chapter six verses nineteen to twenty four. If we could all stand together, just in reverence to God's word, we stand in respect and honor before the Lord in His Word. Verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, rust, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Here it is. For either he will hate the one and love the other. One love. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord, let's pray. Father, we welcome you right now in this place. Lord, would you give us eyes to see? Lord, would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us a mind to understand? Give us a heart to welcome your word as truth, that it is inspired, that it is God-breathed, that it is profitable for reproof, correction, for godly living. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning, more than these things, Lord God, that you would change our hearts, Lord, that the things that matter to you matter to us, that the things that give your, you joy give us joy, the things that grieve your heart grieves our heart, Lord, that we would have one heart, one love for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, it could be broken down into three main categories, okay? And the first one is in verses 19 to 21. Would you write down, this is the first section, which is the treasures of the heart, verses 19 to 21. The treasures of the heart. And why do I keep referring to the heart? Because Jesus, because, um, you know you guys know that our hearts could be very divided, right? It could be very fractured or fragmented, right? It could be, we could be in a relationship with our kids, a love and hate relationship, right? Or a coworker or a neighbor. We could be hot or cold. We could be passionate. We could be indifferent. And our heart could be very divided and very fragmented. But in psalm chapter 86 verse 11 this is kind of like where i want to get to psalm 86 verse 11 says teach me your way O lord god that i may walk in your truth and here it is unite my fragmented divided heart unite my heart to fear your name so There are two treasures in our heart and there's a fork in the road that you and I from the heart must choose. And there's two different types of treasure. Let's look at verse 19, right? It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Now this is the negative command. Don't do this, all right? In verse 20, this is the positive command. Instead of laying up treasures on earth, instead lay up treasures in heaven, whether moth nor rust destroyed, whether thieves do not break in and steal. In verse 21, it gives us the reason why. Why should we lay spiritual or heavenly treasure? It's because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now in the first century, around Jesus' time, You had three choices if you had material possessions or coins or money. First option, depending on how well off you are, is that you could give your money, gather all your clothes and your money, and you put it to the temple and have them safeguard it. This is before the advent of safe deposit boxes, of banks, right? This is before Bitcoin and 401ks, right? So you would get your possessions, and and who's going to rob a temple? So even thieves didn't break the temple, so you could bring it to the temple, and they'll safeguard it for you. second way you could do it is that you could put it in in the hidings and kind of hide it between your walls. But thieves, because they didn't have cement back then and really hard, uh, especially for homes, they could just break your walls and steal your money. But there's a third way, is that you would get, you would find a place, whether it's your backyard, whether it's a secluded place, whether it's a cave, like where they found the Qumran text, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and you would get your valuable possessions and that you would dig a a hole in the ground and that you would bury your possessions. The problem is, once you bury your possessions, there's this thing called the second law of thermodynamics, which is things erode. If you put a brand new Lamborghini right you know right at Mauna Bay what's going to happen to it sea salt it's going to corrode it's going to rust it's going to destroy it's going to be destroyed but if you bury your things your possessions on the ground then the vermin is going to come right moth mice rats worms they're going to destroy your possessions and the crazy thing here is that, ladies, can you embrace yourself, sisters, okay? Is that the average person in Jesus' time only had one pair of clothes. Ta right? Like, thank God you live in this age where you have a whole closet. And you need Marie Kondo to help you find your joy and get rid of your stuff, half your stuff, okay? So they only had one pair, usually the average woman had one pair of clothes. And if they had more, they were like, this could be a family heirloom. Especially if it was fine linen, different colors like purple, you know. They would get this and they would bury the treasure. But guess what? Moth, rust, it will destroy it. They go, you put it in your wall. Thieves come in and steal it. So if you bury your treasure, even Jesus talked about this, right? He says the kingdom of God is like a man who is on his way and he finds a treasure where? In a hidden field. And he sells everything he has to buy that field so he could get the treasure. So that dude that, that, that Jesus was talking about, that was somebody else's treasure that he found, okay? And so, once you have your possessions and you're like, man, I have my money. I have my savings. I have my coins. I have my currency. I have my clothes. I have my fine linen. I'm going to retire early now and I'm going to eat, drink, be merry. When you come, what happens? It gets destroyed. Your money becomes rusted. It won't be good anymore. Moth, rats, vermins, worms it destroys all that you have and Jesus says don't store what earthly treasures verse 19 says instead what should you do store or lay up treasures in heaven treasures in heaven now this is probably one of the most misunderstood texts because when we think of heaven what do we think of? After I die, hopefully, right? Uh, it's be, not hopefully, right? It's because I believe in Jesus. After I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I'll have an angelic body. I'm going to have a mansion and all these different things. That's when we think of heaven. But first century Jews to whom Jesus preached to, especially the Gospel of Matthew, who he, his audience was primarily Orthodox Jews, their main thing was that heaven was not like this mystical place on, in heaven, like the spatial thing and the cosmos, but heaven to them was the age to come. The Gospel of John says that it is eternal life, right? Which means, all this to say is this, heaven is, is the reign and the will of God being accomplished, right? Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus brought heaven down here on earth, the reign and rule of God, and this is what we are to invest and lay up our treasures in, not on things that that moth and rust destroy and thieves come in, break in, and steal, but because Jesus is not talking about delayed gratification, Oh, you know, you work hard now and save a little bit because when you get to heaven, you'll have this big... No, 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 that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about investing in, pouring into, laying up treasures in God here now on this earth. It's not like you're making a deposit and it goes bigger and bigger. He says, no, store up heaven, heavenly treasures here now. Would you write down number two not only is there the eyes excuse me the treasures of the heart what our heart treasures but our eye our our hearts also have eyes what do i mean by that look at verse 22 the two eyes of the heart we could choose what kind of eyes we will have the eye is the lamp of the body so if your eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? How many of you just read the Bible and read sometimes like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> I don't get it. What you about eye, light of the body, the whole lamp? What does that mean? Okay. In the first century, Jews understood that your eyes would be like the, the window to your soul. And they have a saying... Which means, and they're using kind of like the Greek word here, like one eye or a healthy eye. It could mean two ways. A healthy eye means it's a person who is generous. That your eyes would be healthy and whole and that you would have a generous or a singular or concentrated vision of being generous. So if someone had money and they were able to share it. Because in Jesus' time, they were saying, man, historians, it was about 70 to 90 percent the Roman citizens were getting taxed, okay? And if the little that they have, if they would share, they would say, oh, that person has a good eye. They have healthy eyes. But if they were stingy and they were greedy and they were covetous and they didn't share with others, then, oh, they have a bad eye. We here in Hawaii, oh, they got stink eye, right? <laughs> and so you and I, we have the choice to be either be greedy or... Be generous. You and I have a choice whether we're going to invest or lay up earthly treasure that's temporary, moth and rust and thieves could break in and destroy it, or we're going to invest in what? Earthly, in godly treasures here on earth now. So for example, you know, one of God's greatest um, gifts Is that, you know, sometimes you go in your pocket and you find 25 bucks or 30 bucks, like, oh, Jesus loves me, this I know, right? And you're just like, yes, everything is awesome, right? And you're like, I have this extra $30. So you and I have a choice whether we're gonna spend it on earthly treasure. So it's like 30 bucks, let's say $50. What are you gonna do with that? Are you gonna go and treat yourself like to a nice meal with poo-poos and desserts, you know, and main course? Or are you going to take that and invest it in heavenly treasure or godly treasure, which will have eternal impact, eternal consequence? Are you going to spend that money on yourself, or how long will that meal last? You say you splurge. Let's say you go to Gen Korean barbecue, right? You get desserts, you get, you know, everything, and man, you eat... You know, the more you eat, the more your stomach expands, right? And so the next day you're hungrier than before. And how long does that last? How long does that last? But when you and I invest and lay treasure in heaven, let's say you give that money and you sponsor a child through Compassion International, Right? Or if you go to River of Life Mission and you, you get that money and donate it so they can feed the homeless in Kalihi and the surrounding areas and, the home, and people receive the gospel, you begin to break the cycle of poverty. How long will that last? Forever. Amen. So you and I, we have a choice, earthly or heavenly, greedy or generous. And we need the Spirit of God to unite our divided hearts because we can only serve one, God or money, greedy or generous. And, you know, as you guys found out, man, this church, out of all the six campuses of New Hopes, this church is the most uh, generous church per capita, we're the smallest, <laughs> but we're the mightiest in Jesus' name, right? <laughs> we're the smallest, but per capita, we are the highest tithing church. You know, I was talking to a lady last, uh, just yesterday. She's like, you know, the Lord this really spoke to me this year about being generous, and I was giving 10%, 10%, and then the Lord just said, starting February, I want you to give 50%. She's like, What? And she gave fifty percent of her income, and uh, there was an accident that happened, and she's like, "Okay, Lord, I'm going to give to you." And all of a sudden, as she gave fifty percent, right, somebody decided to pay for her five hundred dollar, you know, comprehensive insurance. You could you could make a choice. Another gentleman, who who wants to remain anonymous, like is like, "Hey." um is you know are are we i heard you know that we might have a ministry center i was like yeah yeah we're praying about it we're negotiating see what's going on He's like you know what i've been saving up to buy a toy car like a classic truck and stuff like that and so you know i want to spend all this time on it but you know what um i'll just i'll just give the you know i have the seed money Here's two thousand dollars. I got two thousand dollars cash today. It's like here. I want it to be in heavenly things that would last. I'm going to choose generosity instead of hoarding it and keeping it for myself. And so, Jesus says we have two options. And I love the spirit of generosity. You know, one of the most generous people I know is not, I don't personally know him, but um, I've heard of is Pastor Rick Warren. And um, he's really challenged me to take the the next level of faith and being more generous with my tithing and to increase it, okay? So let's go take a look.
1: Now, the antidote to the lust of the eyes is generosity. Learning to be generous is the only antidote to the lust of the eyes, and I want to challenge you and you and your wife to make a decision to become more generous every year of your life kay and i made this decision 38 years ago when we got married we said each year we're going to raise our tithe so the first year of marriage we tied 10 percent why because god says it's you give me 10 percent for the end of our first year of marriage we raised our tithe to 11 percent The end of our second year, we raised our tithe to 12%. The third year, we raised our tithe 3%. And each year, we would raise it a little bit more. And on years when the cupboard was bare and we were barely making ends meet, we would only raise our giving maybe a quarter of a percent. But we wanted to be more generous every year than the year before. And on years I'd get a raise or have a windfall or something, we'd raise it 4 or 5%. Now, we weren't doing this to show off because I didn't tell anybody for 30 years. But we kept raising it every... This last year, we raised it another percent from 90 to 91%. I've been playing this game with God for 38 years. God says, Rick, you give to me and I'll give to you and we'll see who wins. (laughs) I have lost that game every year for 38 years. I dare you to trust God. I dare you to trust God with your money. You trust him with your salvation, you don't even trust him the tithe. Who are you kidding? If you don't trust him with your money, you don't trust him. The Bible says, if you are not faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will give you the true riches of God? Do you know why God chose me to write the best-selling book in American history? Because he knew what I'd do with the money. He said, well, man, if I made millions of dollars, I'd give it all away." to No, you wouldn't, because you're not giving away now. I had a track record of 38 years of generosity when I couldn't afford it, and God knew it. He knew he could trust my, I had a 38-year track record, faithful and little faithful in much. And so, this lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the only antidote. You see, every time I give, my heart grows bigger. Every time I give, I break the grip of materialism in my life. And every time I give, I become more like Jesus. And I want to be like Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. I say without fear of contradiction that Saddleback Church is the most generous church in America, bar none. Name any church, Saddleback Church is bar none the most generous church in America. Why? Because I've modeled it for them. I remember the year there was a tsunami in Southeast Asia. We don't do fundraisers. We just teach spiritual giving. Giving as a discipline. I remember I stood up on a Sunday morning and said, guys, yesterday was a hurricane, a tsunami in Southeast Asia. We need to help these people. And on less than a 15-second, you know, ask, our people gave $1.6 million to help the tsunami. Four months later, we had a capital thing where they gave $40 million. Four months after that, nine months after the tsunami, Katrina hit. There were 6,800 churches in my network, Purpose Driven Network, that were hit by Katrina. 400 of our churches lost their buildings in Katrina, most of them small, rural, African-American churches. He says, guys, we got I stood up on the Sunday, guys, we got to help these churches. They're our, they're our family. And nine months after they'd given 1.6 million for the Katrina, I mean, for the tsunami, they gave 1.7 million for Katrina you know what we did? I went to those pastors and said, you've lost your members, you've lost your church, you've lost your own home. The members have moved to Memphis or Houston. But I need you to stay there and rebuild the city. And we paid the salary of 400 pastors for a year to keep them there. I didn't pay it. the People did. Why? Because we have learned the blessing of generosity. Now hear me out. I don't give to get a blessing. I get blessed, but I don't give to get a blessing. I give to be a blessing. So the antidote to the lust of the flesh is integrity, and the antidote to the lust of the eyes is generosity. It is the only way. Don't tell me you're not a materialist if you're not generous. If you want to know what really matters to you, let me see your checkbook stubs and your calendar, because the way you spend your time and the way you spend your money tells me what's really important to you. If you spend more money on video games or Starbucks than you do on the things of the Lord, you got a problem.
0: Would you write down in your notes, there are two masters of the heart. There are two masters of the heart. We have two eyes, two treasures, but there's two masters let's read verse 24 it says no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or will he he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money and this is where this amazed series is birthed from because this is a hard saying of Jesus because Jesus I, I want to prove Jesus wrong, that I could both love God and love money at the same time. I still want to love God and serve God, but I still want to have a lot of money and love money. Jesus says He say, "You should not." but he says, "What? You cannot. Because your heart and your loyalty and your allegiance could only belong to either God or money. Do you guys know the word there um, for money? It's not in the Greek. Matthew puts it in Aramaic or in Hebrew, and the the word there is mammon. Meaning that it's like with a capital M. This is the only time in the New Testament where Jesus calls out a specific idol, calls out by name. The implication meaning is this. Because I want to believe that somehow money is neutral. That money is just a piece of paper with ink and we put monetary value to it, right? But money is so much stronger and more powerful than this. That's why Jesus says it is hard, it is difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It would be more more possible for a camel first first time bucket list we were able to go to to Israel and Jordan and we we saw real live camels all right and they're ginormous they're huge he said Jesus says it's it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God why because the rich man would trust in his riches that money and the love of money is the root of all evil but money in itself jesus he realizes it's just not money it's not the the greek word there it's like mammon this this god this powerful almost you know idolatrous force called mammon called money that ensnares us that prevents us from entering the kingdom of god that prevents us from giving our lives over to christ hey you guys jesus does not want your money he wants your heart do you guys know as we launched this church this this zip code or zip zip code yeah this zip code 96821 which is from kuleo not quite hawaii kai from kuleo drive to about where uh, Iki is at right before kahala this zip code is the wealthiest, most educated, highest income community in the whole state. More than Kahala, more than Hawaii Kai. And as we're planning the church, I'm like, are you, Lord, this is impossible. Because when I was in LA, when we're reaching out to, you know, undocumented immigrants and we would have a health fair the whole community would come and get vaccinated and get shots when we would give away backpacks like oh yeah yeah i i do need help because i need god in my life for him to provide i need and they humble themselves you know and we would have this thing called laundry love where you go to a laundromat there's not even a laundromat here (laughs) you have to go to kapahulu or waikiki for a laundromat some of you hawaii kids are like what's a laundromat what is what is this laundromat you speak of there's this laundry love where you go to churches and you deposit coins and buy meals and they're like, Oh, thank you so much. That was, I really needed that. That's all the coins I had left. And people would come to know Christ. They would see their needs. Like, how are we going to reach the people of this community? They don't... Why? And this is the insidious part of the prosperity gospel that all Jesus cares about is your health, wealth, and prosperity. What are you going to tell the rich CEO that lives up in Hawaii, in Hawaii, Lower Ridge, who has both views of Cocoa Head and Diamond Head, right? <laughs> that there's two entrances and two layers of security just to go up. That Jesus, you need Jesus in your life. You need him. Why do I need him? I have money. I have cars. I have homes. I have vacation homes. what kind of gospel is that? That is a false gospel. You know what the gospel is? Jesus is the gospel. Look at 1 Peter. We'll close with this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ Jesus suffered at the cross once and for all, right? Once and for all for sins. Jesus, who is the righteous, he died for the unrighteous, which is you and me, Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did he suffer an excruciating death? Why was he buried for three days? Why was he resurrected so that he could bless you and have a nice car, a nice home, nice family? No, Jesus suffered so that he might bring you to God. What makes heaven heaven, you guys? Is it the streets of gold, Revelation 21, 21, that there are streets of gold in heaven? Is that what's going to make heaven heaven? Or is it a mansion with many rooms? Jesus says in John chapter 14. Is what makes heaven heaven a glorified body where you could walk through walls like Jesus did in John chapter 21? Is it a glorified body that's free of disease, no cancer, no sickness, no diabetes, right? Is what makes heaven heaven no taxes? Is it no traffic? Is what makes heaven this kind of idea of this, this euphoria, of bliss, and no sin, no injustice, no cancer, no sex trafficking, no... Is that what makes heaven heaven? Jesus is what makes heaven heaven. He died so that he could bring you to him just as an just as an eagle is made to fly and soar in the sky you and i were made to have a relationship with god Just as Dolphin was made for the water to swim and enjoy, you and I were made to enjoy the presence of God that you finally connected to your creator who knew you from the womb, who fearfully and wonderfully made you, who formed your inward parts, who gave himself for you, who died your death at the cross, who was resurrected so that you and I could have a victory over sin in this life now to give abundant life, this is the gospel. It's not money. You know, this week I was fasting for two days. I'm like, Lord, what am I going to preach? Like, I don't want to preach a tithing sermon. Give 10%. You know, you're not a good Christian. Oh, you need to give. Yeah, Jesus wants your heart. He wants to free you. You only. You. you cannot serve two. You cannot. Jesus says you, should, you cannot. You could choose greediness or generosity right you could use, choose temporary earthly treasure or permanent he- eternal treasure heavenly treasure or you could choose mammon health wealth prosperity or you could choose God this is, you only got two choices see the chief end of following Jesus is to finally meet Jesus face to face there's no sin that you have this unencumbered relationship with God. That you see God and who's so awesome that you won't die after seeing him. That you finally get to pray to a God. You, you've been praying to a God that you cannot see. You've been crying out to a Lord that you cannot touch. You're kneeling and weeping to a Savior that you cannot feel and embrace. And what makes heaven heaven is when Jesus Christ comes back is that we have this full unencumbered, face-to-face relationship with Jesus. Some of you here this morning, this will be a time for you to finally say, Jesus, you're my healer. Not only have you healed me physically from cancer, Lord, and my family member, but Lord, you've healed my broken heart from injury, from loss, from hurt. You brought wholeness and you've healed me, Lord. I finally get to weep and say, thank you, Jesus, for being my healer. Some of you, Jesus is, is your redeemer, that you made a complete mess out of your life, and that there's been a cycle of abuse, of neglect, of mental illness, of brokenness, of uh, adultery, and God came in and broke that, and you finally get to see Jesus face to face, thank you that you, heaven was, is not needing, you brought heaven down that I can experience abundant life, Jesus that Jesus is your restorer, that he's restored your marriage, he's restored your family, he's restored your finances, that Jesus is your savior, that he lived, that, Lord, I lived a life of foolishness. I thought it was all all about me. I thought it was all about money, but there was so much more. You've called me. St. Augustine said, Lord, may our hearts be restless, until they find a rest in you. That you're made to have a relationship with Jesus. But the only way through that, to have a relationship with God, is through Jesus Christ. It's, it's through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And if you put your heart over the line, if you believe it in your heart of hearts, then God can bring a wholeness to you where you can choose. God can bring a wholeness to you And you can experience heaven here on earth. That we don't have to wait. That we get to experience abundant eternal life. The kingdom of heaven here now. Amen.